This is Cowboy Ethics Indiana with your host, Dwight Mowdy, sharing his passion for the program. He will discuss the origins and dive deeper into how the cowboy way of life inspires Cowboy Ethics Indiana and future generations. Now to your host, Dwight Mowdy. Hello, this is Dwight Mowdy, your host for the Cowboy Ethics Indiana podcast. Today I have my amazing intern, Lily, and my professional producer, Brian. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lily, we got, we got <laughs> titles now. How's that? So I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday and enjoying the Christmas and remembering why we have Christmas. It's time for family and for new beginnings. So today I wanted to talk about what's going on in the program. Uh, We've talked a couple of times about the principles, but I really wanted you to see why it's important and what the impact is. We have really been working a lot, Lily and I, with an eighth grade class at Westside Middle School in Elkhart. And when we started out with this, the teacher asked us to come in and we did a couple of lessons with the principles and what cowboy ethics was, but it really wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't really impacting. And so we happened to notice there was a courtyard that was sitting empty and not being used. So we decided that we were going to clean it out and put a chicken coop and gardens in there. Now, this had not been maintained for a long time. Lily can tell you there was English ivy everywhere. So the only way to get English ivy out is you just start pulling. Okay. Well, the first day we did it, they didn't have any gloves. And they were like, ooh, I can't do that. I don't want, ooh, no. And, and these are kids that are they're, inner city, right? Oh, they they're probably, city. They don't get their hands They're dirty. 100% like, city kids, yeah. I, I'm a city kid, too, and I don't get my, I, I mean, but, I, I mean, grew up. But I mean, they don't even do gardening or anything. Yeah, yeah. They right? didn't even like the thought of bugs being in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. None of them. <laughs> they, they kept getting freaked out by spiders yeah. and stuff. I'm like, and it's pretty funny when you see a, to a kid that could be a 260-pound lineman oh, yeah. running away because of the spider. <laughs> um, uh... But so what we did, my wife and I and the teacher bought 30 pairs of cotton gloves and said, the next time we got together, said, now you can go. There you go. So they've been making good progress. The weather's kind of become against us yeah. now. Yeah. But what came out of it was the one class – Lily actually taught it as part of her internship and just took charge and basically put them to work and followed up on them. And over these last few weeks, what we've noticed is we started building a relationship. The kids started listening more. They started working more. Um, we had the one, one uh, girl, uh, she looks like the one actress on Chicago Fire. So I told her one day, I said, I think you're a movie star. Well, and she was she was Hispanic and very non-committal, blow everything off. Well, that broke the ice. So now she's, you know, she wants yeah. to talk. So as we moved through some of the other things and working in the courtyards, when the weather went against us, we did one of my activities, which I call build a farm. And we give them a set up, uh sizes of ground they have to fence it they have to figure out the barn they have to figure out all kinds of math Mm -hmm. volumes areas perimeters 
And the one little girl said to me the one day, she goes, I didn't think math could be fun. And so <laughs> Lily worked with them on that, and we worked them through that, and we even took them to the point where we told them what the planting ratio would be for their hay field, and they had to figure out how many bags of seed they would have to buy. Oh, wow. Cool. So it went pretty well. Yeah. So it was, but it was not, we were, it was all predetermined, the mm. sizes and things. So then we, I got the idea, and Lily laughs, because I get these ideas at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'll, I wake up and I go, I should do this as an activity. And then I receive a text at 6 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> what do you yeah. think of this? <laughs> so... Actually, I have a pad of paper next to it, too. you got to write it down because I guarantee you'll forget it. But um, we call it Design a Ranch. Okay. And so what we did with it, and they've been working on it now for about three weeks. Yep. They have to determine what kind of animals they're going to have. They have to research and find out what equipment they have to have to do it, what kind of barns they would have to have. I mean, the whole picture. And so what they've been working on, the last two weeks is graphing it in detail, learning how to use scale drawings, mm -hmm. which is a totally foreign concept. Those kids have no clue what you're talking about when you yeah, say that. Yeah. So Lily had her one team. I had to laugh. We're working in a, in a science room, so there's like lab tables. Sure, yeah. And Lily's been working with this one team quite a bit. Actually, two teams. Yeah. And I've had a couple, three teams that come up. And it's really funny how they have gotten so serious about it. I mean, mm -hmm. you'd think they were really going to open this ranch up, right? <laughs> so today, Lily had a migraine this morning, couldn't make it to school. They're all like, how are we going to do this? <laughs> I'm like, what would you do if you were out in the real world? If somebody was sick and couldn't be there, well, I'd have to figure it out. So figure it out. So her team, the one team, um, Damon. Yes. And and John and Thela? Thalia? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. She always corrects me on it because I don't say it right. But anyway, um, they are actually to the point where they're starting to do their scale drawing. They got to today. And it's really funny to watch them with that ruler. And I mean, they're being precise. Wow, that's cool. That's And yeah, and got a couple of the teams that are still wanting to play and still trying to figure out what they want but the majority of the teams are very serious about getting it diagrammed now the neat part is after we get it diagrammed we're going to build models scale models of the barns and everything and the teacher told me today which lily will get a kick out of this she's buying little toy cows and little toy pigs <laughs> and trees this teacher, I love her to death. She's great. Um, she's got a ton of enthusiasm. Uh -huh. Cool. And she wants to... And and going all out, I expect nothing less. Yes, yeah. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and she just... Um, they won't let us talk very much because when we come up with these ideas, kind of like what you and I were, we were talking about, what the three of us were talking about earlier, we always don't ask permission we ask forgiveness because mm -hmm. we go out and we ask we go to super if we have to go to the superintendent we go to the superintendent okay i mean go to who's going to give you the answer that's right? exactly right <laughs> especially the answer we want <laughs> yeah so <laughs> um but that's those are some of the activities we've been doing and i really think the kids 
when you start talking about real world, mm-hmm. it means something to them. Oh, yeah. Because it's not just cranking out numbers. It actually has a use. It mm-hmm. has a purpose. And I think that that really means a lot. Well, and I, I think something about kids is when you, you get them, especially when we first start, you have to you start from nothing. You have to build a relationship mm-hmm. with them. And usually most kids have some kind of walls they've built up through the years. So something about cowboy ethics that always, I think, a lot of people can appreciate, especially these kids. The reason we build great relationships with them is we're not destroying those walls that they've built. We're giving them structure. Mm-hmm. We're giving them structure for real world experiences. So when they do get there, even though they built those walls, maybe they've had hard times, they take what they've had before and they make something of it. It's not like you're trying to take who they were before and destroy it and make somebody new. Yeah. You're using who they are to build somebody new. Well, just to interrupt no. to, to your audience, I, in, in addition to being a fantastic producer, I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for 13 years in addition to doing this stuff. But that relationship is so important working with students, and it's a great basis because it's based on the principles. You guys are living these principles. You are interacting with them on the principles. That's one of the things is you keep going back to what's the principle? Well, you, you just got to get it done. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not breaking down the walls. You're not trying to break them. You're no. just finding a way to connect with them. And what happens when you build these relationships with them? They, what's the trust like? Well, right? it's amazing. I mean, <laughs> and remember the first the video you put together for the convention that time, mm-hmm. and Suzanne, my one of my other, I have like five school daughters now, yeah, so yeah. you know, but see, the ones are one real one. She said, and it's a true statement: if you build that relationship with these kids, you can ask them to jump over the moon, and mm-hmm. they'll do it. And yeah. that's what we see that a lot is. There's no challenge that's too tough for them. They they may not know exactly how they're going to go forward, but they're open to how for us to teach them and to show them. And you've mentioned that sometimes you don't know who you're talking to. These kids could mm-hmm. be the next big thing, and you never know it. Exactly. And yeah. Or you could be the first person that's just because of the way school has gone for them. Exactly. You're the first person that's been able to, you know, see a different side of them. Yeah. And and give them that courage. Like I've been successful. I've done something right. And so, yeah. So that's cool. And I think I like too is in our, with cowboy ethics and when we're in these classes, we're blind to colors, nationalities, whatever. It's, they're all kids. They're all our kids. Um, a couple years ago now, I had a fifth grade class I was mentoring and they asked me, they said, Mr. Mowdy, what do you think about race? And I said, well, to me, you're all green with white polka dots. And they go, what? I said, I don't care what you look like. I look at your heart. I look at your effort. I look at how you want to be. And and they just warmed right up. They, that was so great to them because I didn't judge them by some other preconceived thing. And I see that now. This is a very diverse class at eighth grade. Yeah. It's um, it's really crazy. I mean, you, it's across the spectrum. And we even have one young man who looks kind of like uh, Gene Simmons when he's on Kiss. And uh, <laughs> we've got some tattoos floating around. And those kids still want to be accepted. They mm-hmm. still want somebody to believe yeah. in them. And that's one of the lessons I always try to teach from cowboy ethics. After the Civil War, when they started on those cattle drives, there were ex-slaves, there were Hispanics, and there were white 
Texans. They had to learn how to work together to make, to make the job get done. And that's, you know, people have lost sight of that sometimes. What do you think about like, so doing the Mm -hmm. scale drawing, like I would have to stop and think and, but I mean, what was, what's been a breakthrough or two for you with working with the kids, Lily? Like, what'd you see? Well, one being patient because kids aren't, you know, a lot of kids aren't used to their mentors, their teachers being patient with them, you know, getting frustrated quickly. So you have to have patience no matter what you do, what you're teaching them, even if it's simple to you or it's the hardest thing to you, you still have to have patience. Um, so being patient with them, kind of going down to their level, you know, not necessarily talking down to them. Um, Dwight's really good at this, you know, from the little kids to the big kids. He's great at making sure everybody feels like a human being. So that's definitely a big tip I, you know, took from him. Um, so making sure you talk to him like a person in when you are going through something they don't know, dumb it down just a little more than you think because it's even easier for them. Um, the drawing to scale, I do believe me and Dwight just had a conversation that they were supposed, some of these kids were supposed to learn these in elementary schools or mm-hmm. middle schools, and then oh, they yeah. didn't. They yeah. didn't get that, um, which is okay. I mean, they need to learn at some point. Yeah. So might as well start now. And these, when you go into it and you're showing them how to do it, um, taking the time. You know, again, that patience is key. Um, and the one group that the white was talking about, I didn't get to see the scale that they were doing today. But just before I left them, um, I was just touching on the subject of how to draw the scale. And I would go through it with them. I didn't leave them hanging. I didn't do it by myself. I'd ask them questions to make sure that they knew what I was doing. I had to include them. And including them, I think, in everything is good, whether it's something mm-hmm. they don't know, whether it's something they do know, whether it's just a conversation of how's your day. It all goes together from learning the lesson to teaching the lesson to being just with them. Well, and and I think it was funny. Like last week when the, the teacher had a meeting and we had the sub and they came in, we've gotten to know them enough now. We started kidding around with them and, and talking with them. And, and it's you need that relaxed feeling mm-hmm. I, I know you understand that but i think sometimes i see an awful lot of teachers you have to accept sometimes kids are going to be a little rowdy yeah. they're going well, to be a little wound up I yeah mean, we get we get busy we've got time limits and things like that and so yes it's, yeah it's a balancing but act and some of these teachers that we see sometimes are quick to be all over the kids and what we attempt to do and, and I know Lily's seen it, and I've done it many times. Okay, guys, hold on. And then the last resort, I do the the, the farm whistle. but And that usually <laughs> makes them fall into dead silence because they didn't think it could be that loud. But but you have to be a little patient about letting them get calmed down. Mm-hmm. In this class, we do the last class of the day, which can really, should be kind of the crazy time anyway. I think they, they used to be. When we first started out yeah. with them, they were really kind of rambunctious. The teachers probably yelling yelling at them three or four times before they even got to us. Yes. It took it took time. But now that I think me and Dwight have built that relationship with them, you know, they, they've kind of tempered down. They've enjoyed mm-hmm. it, and they know that when we are there, they need to be ready because the sooner we can start, the more they get to have fun. But I can say what's really interesting, um, Lily and I also do a couple of fifth grades at – Mary Beck. Yeah. And we're getting, it's taking a little longer to get the rapport built because they really struggle with the, the maturity. Um, 
and these kids are for fifth graders are very young. Um, but even those kids are starting to come around to when we come in, if it's, if we're not going to do what we need to do, if we're not going to calm down a little bit, then we're not going to do it. And that negative side of, well, we're just not going to do it. It's not, we're going to yell or anything. We're just not going to do it. But we also look for the, again, look for the real world things that these kids have never seen. And what's really getting good, Brian, is we're seeing a lot of these kids thinking that maybe agriculture is a future for them. And when you look at ag, the average age of the farmers, 59 and a half, 60 years old, and finding ways to show those kids the tremendous opportunities is another side of it that, you know, you don't always see that when you start something out. And I can speak from the other side, being that kid who didn't, like we discussed before, I wasn't into ag and then I was. The hands-on experience, the real world stuff, when you are given real world stuff and then you're given, you know, textbook stuff, you know the difference. Mm -hmm. It feels different. You know that. One, obviously, we prefer over the other. But the thing with the real world experience that you get from certain lessons is it feels important. Mm -hmm. Getting that textbook is like, oh, great. We're just going to read another book again. Can't wait. As soon as you're given something that is real world, okay, you're like, great, I'm listening. What are we going to do? How is this going to help my future? Where am I going to use it? So you already have a different mindset when you're getting told you're going to go do something. I'm also a hands-on learner. So for me, once I found ag, I knew it because I get to be hands-on. I get to play in the dirt. And a lot of these kids are the same way. And I feel more and more kids are starting to go that way because textbooks are as boring as they could get anymore. What's really funny is today we were, the teacher was giving out uh, permission slips, universal, basically, so they can go to the farm anytime, the school farm and work. And the one little girl, she goes, well, what are we going to learn? And I said, we're going to get you pitchfork certified. <laughs> and the, the teacher's daughter, who works with her on the farm all the time, started laughing. And the other little girl goes, what? what? And she goes, you'll enjoy it. Like this. <laughs> and I'm shaking her head. And I'm like, yeah, pitchforking is not the most appetizing thing in the world. Nope. <laughs> but it's something, again, it's got to be done. Yeah. So I guess, so we don't go too awful long on time. Uh, my final thought for today is, in our world, in our society, there's so much negativity. It's on social media, it can be on TV, whatever. Anywhere you want to go, either any of your persuasions, there's so much negativity floating around. And I think what we do with Cowboy Ethics is we give the kids positive sides. We help make them understand that they can overcome challenges, that they don't have to give in to the negativity. What's really interesting, and Lily's gone with to one with me, when we go to some of these service organizations and do a presentation, those adults suffer from the same thing. Yep. They have that negativity that overwhelms them, like everything's going bad. And I think we can show them that it's not, that... By having positive thoughts, by believing in something good, you can make a better world. You can do things differently. Uh, and it's non-denominational. We don't bring in religion or politics ever to cowboy ethics. No. It's just doing the right thing at the right time. Mm -hmm. And I also tell the kids, doing the right thing is not always the easiest thing. 
it's often quite often it's the hardest thing you have to do because you know it it's easy to cut the rules it's easy to break the rules or to maybe cheat a little bit and so we're working real hard to show them that that still doesn't make it right so uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and listening uh, we're going to be sending out more podcasts and we're going to have a couple coming out here shortly and I hope you all can join us again. If you want to know more about the program, contact us through our email, cowboyethicsdwm at gmail.com, Facebook page, Cowboy Ethics Indiana, our website, cowboyethicsindiana.com, or by phone at 574-360-8646. Also, shout out to Greg Hager for the use of his song. You can find him on most music services or greghager.com.